0: Today we are going to explore one of the most controversial, misunderstood events in the life of Christ, and one of the most misunderstood and polarizing practices in the life of His Church. The Lord's Supper, also known as Communion, also known as the Bread and the Cup, or or as I'm calling it today, the Lost Supper, when I'm hopefully... I'm going to show you is that it can be rediscovered the meaning of the bread and the cup can be Known for what it truly should be A lot of people have gotten confused. A lot of people have gotten A lot of questions unanswered regarding this and so I think for some of us It's going to be a good reminder of what you already know Preaching is always a ministry of reminding But for some of you you're going to hear some new things you're going to you're going to Get some new ideas and gain a better understanding of the Lord's Table. And overall, I hope that our practice as a church would be what God wants it to be. And what His Word says it should be. It should really be the high point of our fellowship and worship. It should be a beautiful reminder of our unity in Christ. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 26. When you find that, please stand with me. I'm going to be reading verses 26 through 30 of Matthew chapter 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of coming to worship you today together. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, Lord, that you would help us to rediscover the meaning of the bread and the cup. And We thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have to be here and to be in your presence and to be with one another. We commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go with our focus today we're going to ask what is the meaning of the bread and cup what are we actually doing when we when we celebrate it and then what are we supposed to be thinking and and uh, focusing on as we take the bread and the cup the idea is that God wants all Christians to worshipfully and obediently observe the Lord's Supper until he comes we need to talk about the meaning what are we actually doing and what are we supposed to be doing now let me tell you my story as it relates to the Lord's Supper I grew up in a church that observed the Lord's table every single week and I did not understand what it meant I did not get what we simply called communion and to me it was a mid-service snack I'm serious I'm serious something to tide me over until lunch i even used to go back when i was a young child and i would go back to where they prepared it and i would go with my friends and we would munch on handfuls of the little breads and drink cup after cup of the juice and i just didn't get it during my college years i came to know christ personally and i discovered some of the deep truths of the christian faith and they were for me brand new concepts they were things I hadn't heard before and some of these discoveries came in the flow of the everyday life of the church like the bread and the cup and as it was being explained I, I got it I felt really bad about eating all of that bread and juice in my earlier years but I, I did it in ignorance it wasn't that good at our, the church that I was going to when I became a believer, we observe communion once a month, much like we do here at Grace. But I had all sorts of questions as we would be celebrating the Lord's table that I had really never considered before. I'd be sitting there thinking, so what's the meaning of, of the stuff I see up front? What, what, what's actually going on here? But then I would think, what am I actually supposed to be doing? How should I be feeling? Most people get surprised by the lord's table they walk into church and they see the stuff up front and they're like oh i need to confess some sins really quick because we're doing this well you should be confessing sins all the time but sure that's not a bad idea but a lot of people go "Uh uh-oh it's it's time for the lord's table today it's time for communion or whatever we don't want to go haphazard into this we want to know what we're doing and by the way when i was asking all these questions even as a young college student i wasn't the only one asking these questions i know that some of you even are a little bit confused about what does this table mean and what am i supposed to be doing while we're partaking so that's what we're going to do today we're going to hopefully rediscover the meaning of the bread and the cup and the meaning is going to be seen as we see what we actually do so let's talk about it here's the lord's supper that's kind of clouded by ignorance and it's also confused by conflict amongst christians on how and when and with what to celebrate it do you use juice or wine do you use leavened bread or unleavened bread and and are you supposed to stand or sit or kneel as you take it and and all sorts of things some of you might be the type of people that when you see when you're in a communion service and someone doesn't do it exactly how you think it should be done you're like "Oh, oh no you know, they've desecrated the house of God. And uh, let's find out. Let's find out. What do we do, first of all, in the Lord's Supper? Go there to Matthew 26. Start at verse 26. The first thing you'll see is that we are remembering Christ's death. Christ's death. Look at verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins so we are remembering christ's broken body his shed blood on the cross for our sins remembering christ's death now i want you to go to first corinthians 11 in fact you might want to just put like a bookmark in there for the rest of the time today because we'll go back and forth to first corinthians 11 verse 23 now by the way the context is this is Thursday of Passion Week Mary has already lovingly worshipped Jesus by preparing his body for burial by spilling out that very expensive perfume Judas is planning to betray Jesus he already has 30 pieces of silver and he is looking for an opportunity and this is the last supper with the Lord before he goes to the cross the next day Now, Paul looks back at it, and he says this in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Well, the idea here is that we're remembering christ's death now matthew mark luke and paul in 1 corinthians 11 explains this and they do it all in a little bit different manner which kind of proves the point that it is not one recipe on the exact way and the exact words you're supposed to use every single time but we are remembering christ's death as they were eating, verse 26 says. Now we've got to remember the context here. What were they eating already? They were already eating a meal. What was the meal they were eating? It was the Passover meal. It was this worshipful meal remembering God's deliverance of his people from Egypt and Pharaoh. So there were all sorts of elements to this meal. They would be eating a lamb. One of many, many lambs that had been killed and roasted and gotten all ready for them to eat. There was breaking of bread in the Passover meal. There, were e- there was even drinking of wine. Four specific cups to be exact. So we've got to look at the context and realize that Jesus is taking now the bread and blessing it and giving it to them and saying words that would have blown them away. This is my body. Now he's transforming the Passover meal. So there was already breaking of bread going on. There was drinking of cups. The four cups of the Passover meal. There was the first cup of sanctification. Being set apart to God. There was the second cup in the Passover meal. The cup of wrath and affliction. That's the cup that Jesus would take upon himself at the cross. The third was the cup of blessing and salvation. Many people think this is the cup. When he said this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And the fourth cup in the passover meal would look forward to eternity it would be taken at the lord's second coming this is the cup that jesus said he's going to drink with us at that day verse 29 in my father's kingdom but jesus most likely took the third cup the cup of blessing and salvation again one of the four that would have had significance in the passover meal and he gave thanks He gave thanks you know there's there's a word eucharist that many people in the protestant church run from as fast as they can thinking it's a catholic term it's really coming from a greek word meaning thanksgiving eucharisto and so when he had given thanks eucharisto he said this is the blood of the covenant drink of it all of you he gives thanks with probably a prayer such as this blessed are you O lord our god king of the universe creator of the fruit of the vine now they were drinking wine that day today we're drinking grape juice okay so don't get your hopes up or don't get all worried it's grape juice today but that day was wine It was customary in those days in the Passover meal to cut the wine with a double or triple quantity of water. So it was watered down wine for the Passover meal. But what we're doing when we take the bread and the cup, and by the way, I love the fact that what I'm preaching on today, we are going to practice right away. We're going to put it into practice right away and celebrate the Lord's table today. But we are remembering first and foremost the death of Christ. Now, most people would say, well, we know that. Thanks for reminding me that that's what this is about. But the second thing I point out to you, you may not have realized as much. What we are also doing is we are celebrating at the table our salvation in Christ. Now, if you're a believer, you should be celebrating your salvation in Christ when you come to the table. If you're not a believer, you can't do that but we are celebrating our salvation in Christ. You don't just come to the table and say, "Whoa, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. You've got to personalize it. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. It's our participation in the benefits of Christ's death. Verse 28, Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we've got the Passover context going on. Now Jesus says the blood of the covenant. So it's going to remind us of the covenant that God made with his people. First and foremost, in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 8, after he had given the law, Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. Can you imagine that scene? It was a bloody mess. Blood on everyone. He threw it on the people and he said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You think about Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus' words. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. He says here in Matthew 26 that this blood of the covenant is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is so that you can experience salvation. Romans uh, excuse me Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness now there's another passage of scripture that we should be thinking about when we hear that Jesus says that this is the blood of the covenant because elsewhere he says this is the new covenant in my blood so we need to go over to Jeremiah chapter 31 Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34 when God has spoken through the prophet Jeremiah about a new covenant that he would make. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Jacob, Judah, excuse me, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though i was their husband declares the lord so god is telling them i'm going to make a covenant but it's going to be a unilateral one they broke the former one the one i'm going to make now i'm making i'm ratifying i'm keeping what is that covenant he says verse 33 this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord i will put my law within them notice these promises i will put my law within them i will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more this is fulfilled in what Jesus did at the cross this is fulfilled when by God's mercy by God's grace you are drawn to him by his amazing love and you turn to christ by faith you believe in the lord jesus and are saved new covenant this is something to celebrate god's amazing grace shown in christ you know that the church i went to when i first became a believer whenever we would celebrate the lord's table we would read hebrews chapter 9 go with me there for a moment hebrews chapter 9 it was beautiful because they would start at verse 11 and there were times that as a young pastor even i got because uh, that was the first church i served at that as a young pastor i got to read these words when the body gathered to celebrate the lord's table and it starts like this verse 11 hebrews chapter 9 when christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that is not of this creation he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. You go to verse 27. Just as it is appointed for man once to die and after that comes judgment so Christ Having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Something to celebrate if you are a Christian, if you have come to faith in Christ based on the finished work of Christ and not the, the, your good works, because no one can be good enough to get themselves to God, then you ought to celebrate God's amazing grace when you come to the table but let me ask you a question do you ever celebrate your salvation now you celebrate your birthday right and some people i know even celebrate their spiritual birthday because maybe they happen to know what day they came to know christ and and some people don't though so are you you know you don't get to celebrate or what i think what we need to be doing in wonder and in awe is is realize and then personalize that me the rebel and me the one that was on his way to hell and was a slave to sin Christ died for me we ought to be personalizing it when we come to the table and not just me he didn't die just for me but my brothers and sisters in Christ those who I see and and think wow but they're a gossip or a liar or a thief or whatever and so was I and you remember and you think Wow! all who've been born again by the Spirit of God ought to celebrate. If if you've been born again in Christ, if you've been made spiritually alive, you ought to set time aside to celebrate that fact. Do it every day, but you'll probably forget. But how about even just once a month when we come to this table? This is party-worthy. Party-worthy. some people go oh oh, oh, I'll love a party you know I always love to have a party well party on about Jesus saving your soul we should be celebrating our salvation in Christ that's what we're doing when we're partaking of the, the, the bread and the cup what else well the third thing I'll point out to you is that we are fellowshipping with and communing with Christ but not just Christ with one another too you know a lot of people and especially in america like to think of their relationship with god as just me and jesus and it's like they're in a cubicle or something remember those old phone booths that you're all by yourself and it's just me and jesus and everyone else can just do whatever they're going to do because it's just and even they think of worship this way i gotta go in my little cubicle and it's just me and jesus and and but they don't realize they're in a in a church with other people who love jesus it's we're fellowshipping with and communion with Christ when we come to this table, and we're fellowshipping with one another. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. He's giving them all sorts of corrections, actually. And in 1 Corinthians 10 start at start at verse 14 therefore my beloved flee from idolatry I speak as to sensible people judge for yourselves what I say and then he says in verse 16 the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ because there is one bread we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one bread He's saying we're doing this together. We're, we're fellowshipping with Christ and communing with Christ and one another. Spiritual nourishment in Christ and the unity of believers. We forget this sometimes. Jesus said, Matthew 26, 27, this is my body. And then he says, this is my blood poured out for Many. Not just for me alone, not just for you alone, but for many. And he says, drink of it, all of you. He's speaking in the plural. He wants us to be done together. So first of all, we have fellowship with Christ, this, this spiritual nourishment in Christ. Go over to John chapter 6. Here's a passage that has really messed a lot of people up. John chapter 6. Now, John doesn't record the uh, Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper but in the context of jesus saying i'm the bread of life where do you hear these words verse 51 john chapter 6 verse 51 i am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats this bread he will live forever and the bread that i give for the life of the world is my flesh we're doing all right so far right verse 52 the jews then got in a fight over what jesus said they said how can this man give us his flesh to eat verse 53 so jesus so he knows their question how can he give us his flesh to eat here's what jesus said truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood isn't that just sound really gross okay jesus says unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. Verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Who? four times. Now here's what Jesus is not doing. He's not advocating cannibalism. Thinking people know this. What is he advocating? He's advocating trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, identification with him, having spiritual nourishment in Christ, spiritual participation in the benefits of salvation, the benefits of redemption. When we come and partake of the the table, we we are receiving from Jesus his reaffirmation of his love for us we have fellowship with him now you look over in 1st John and we go here a lot when we talk about confession of sin and it's the place to go if you want to talk about confession of sin but I want you to notice something here 1st John chapter 1 verse 5 we'll start there this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you God is light and in him is no darkness at all If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So the idea is we come to the table, we're having fellowship with Jesus, but we can't be harboring sin in our lives, right? Okay, now go to the next verse, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin so you don't just have fellowship with Jesus you have fellowship with the body of Christ that's big Jesus is reaffirming his love for us we reaffirm our love for Jesus and his church when we come to the table we are having fellowship and communion with the Lord we are showing we have faith in him we are having allegiance to him it's like our pledge of allegiance to Jesus is the bread and the cup but we also have unity with the body of christ so the first thing is we are remembering christ's death the second thing is that we're doing here is we're celebrating our salvation in christ the third thing we're doing is we're having fellowship with and communing with christ and one another and the fourth thing is we are proclaiming the gospel People, I love to preach the gospel. You love to preach the gospel. Well, here in the Lord's table, we are are preaching the gospel. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, you want to go back over there. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we are being reminded that all the blessings of salvation are reserved for us in christ and we are reaffirming our faith in christ and we are showing it visibly so we talk about you know preaching the gospel always and always using words and not letting your life pull out the rug from underneath the words that you preach with the gospel that your life must match up with it so we we verbalize the gospel but here at the table we are it's the gospel visible God has given us, if it were, a a huge object lesson to do often bread and a cup to remember Him and to celebrate our salvation and to commune with Him and one another and to preach the gospel. You want to preach the gospel, partake of the Lord's table with His people as often as you can. You're preaching the gospel. There is a fifth thing that we are doing as we are taking the, the bread and the cup last thing I'll, I'll give you on this is that we are anticipating christ's return go back to matthew 26 verse 29 jesus says i tell you i will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom until that day there will be a day jesus isn't going to the cross as a martyr he is going there as a victorious king he is going to come out alive he's not going you know i don't know what's going to happen you know uh check in on me in three days he's saying that i'm not going to drink the fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom this messianic banquet that is going to be held revelation 19 tells us about this what this tells us is there there was victory assured before the cross we know this we know this because when we read in ephesians chapter one that those who believe were chosen in him before the foundation of the world when we read in revelation chapter five that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world We're anticipating Christ's return when we come to the table. We have his promised return and we're waiting for it. I love verse 30. Verse 30 is really the ending of this part and the beginning of the next. So it kind of applies to both. But it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives what this is showing us is that jesus is closing off this passover meal this newly transformed passover meal the same way you would close off the regular passover meal they would sing one of the hymns in psalm 113 to 118 or they would sing psalm 136 so they're singing scripture they're singing a hymn and then they go out to the mount of olives where then he would be betrayed And then his disciples would be scattered and then Peter would deny him and then he would be crucified. This Passover lamb. The lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So what are we supposed to be doing? What do we do when we get to this table? We are remembering Christ's death. We are celebrating our salvation. We are fellowshipping with Christ in the church. We're proclaiming the gospel and we are anticipating Christ's return. That's what we do here. Now the question comes, okay, I get it, but what exactly should I be thinking about and focusing on when we're actually doing this? And it's pretty simple. Those things, those same things. Think about and and dwell on and enjoy those things as we are partaking of the bread and the cup. Now a lot of people I know will mainly think about their own sin. They make it even about themselves, if you think about it. They make the table about themselves. The table is about Jesus and what he has done. They'll say, you know, I, I haven't been good enough this week, so I'm not sure if I should partake or not. Or I haven't this or that. And they keep themselves from the table because of themselves. What are we supposed to be doing and thinking as we partake? How can we enjoy sweet communion with the Lord in our hearts and our assembly I mean, how can we recapture the wonder and the joy and the vitality of our common life in Christ even as we are partaking? Let's just roll through those five things once again. If we're talking about remembering Christ's death, then as we're taking the bread and cup, you should be thinking about Christ's death for your sins, but also confessing your sins. So it is right when you see the Lord's table all set up that you would be confessing your sins absolutely right it's a good thing to do confess your sin but as in any good thing to do there are always some errors to avoid what would be the error to avoid here well it's it's obvious partaking with an unexamined life uh, partaking with unconfessed sin saying ah it doesn't matter no there must be confession of sin if you're saying hey jesus died for me then i better confess my sins a lot of people won't do that they'll either say i'm not going to partake today because i got stuff going on in my life and they'll be short-sighted and not think that they could just settle those things between them and god or they just roll right through it and go bread juice not going to deal with it let's just do this let's get this one this is just one of those this is a check the box off the list that was just part of the service So you need to be thinking about Christ's death for your sins, but also confessing your sins to him. That's the first thing. The second thing, if we're talking about celebrating our salvation, thank him for saving you. Simply thank him for saving your soul. You might even remember what you were like before. I've had so many people tell me what they were like before they came to know Christ. And most of the time I'm like, really? I can't believe that you were that way. Because God has changed your heart. God has changed your life. Praise God. Thank Jesus for saving you. The error to avoid here, though, is to partake with an unregenerate heart, not be saved. Basically, just again, do it and just, you know, maybe people will think I'm saved or whatever, or you just don't want to think about your life and and really what's going on in your heart between you and the Lord. There is a there is a, a worth to this table. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 11. And look at verse 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. The idea there, the word unworthy basically means not in accordance with its worth so if you come to the table and you're not a christian and you just do it anyway you're guilty of the body and blood of the lord now you already are in your life you're just showing it one more time right now i don't know if judas was at the last supper or not here's why i don't know matthew and and first corinthians doesn't even say but it seems like he was there but then you read in Luke and you go, wait, maybe he wasn't there. We don't know if he was still in the room or not, but let's say he was. He would have been there committing all these errors, participating with an unexamined life. He had money in his pocket to betray Jesus, so he got paid for already. He was a thief. He used to steal money from the other disciples. He wasn't confessing his sins, he was about to betray Christ. So if he was there, It'd be an unregenerate heart remember you're not going to see judas as we talked about last week you're not gonna be see, seeing judas in heaven thank him for saving you and, and don't partake of the table with an unregenerate heart make sure where you stand with god if you're wondering then say have i if i believed in the lord jesus and his finished work on the cross he died for sin he was buried he rose again he's coming back I can't save myself I've tried I've failed I need to believe in Jesus I need to put my trust in him I can't be good enough I gotta trust in the goodness of another I'm gonna trust in the one the only one who is truly good if that's you then even now even right this moment as you hear these words you can come to faith in Christ so think about Jesus' death for your sins and confess your sins thank him for saving you the third thing is if we're talking about fellowshipping with the Lord and His people enjoy His presence with the gathered church don't go into the cubicle don't go into the phone booth and, and, and you know, lock everything else out but enjoy the fact that you're sitting in a room with a bunch of other people most of whom love Jesus too and let that encourage your heart let that you know, bring, bring joy to your, to your soul so enjoy his presence with the gathered church and again there's errors to avoid the error to avoid is partaking with unreconciled relationships that you 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 know there's something wrong with you between you and other christians and you haven't dealt with it the bible says as far as possible be as far as it depends on you be at peace with all men so let's say you've tried and the other person just won't reconcile you've done what you can do so you should have a clear conscience but if you have not and you know you've got to do something about it there have been plenty of times in my life as a believer over these last 25, 28 years I think oh almost 30 what am I thinking? 29 years that I have been in a service of, of the, where the bread and the cup were being served that I got up out of the room and took care of something with someone else in the body of Christ that I needed to take care of now we are so wired right now and we have so much amazing technology, you don't even have to get out of the out of your chair right now. Just use your cell phone, text them. If you want to call, go outside. No one's gonna no one's, you know what people will think? Praise God. Praise God that they're gonna go get something right with between them and someone else. Because the error is partaking with unreconciled relationships. Now let me show you why. Go again to 1 Corinthians eleven and go to verse 17 we all know the corinthian church had problems and interestingly sadly they had problems with the lord's supper verse 17 paul says but in in the following instructions that i'm about to give you i do not commend you because i'm not happy with you you guys are in trouble because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. You're, you're eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? He's like, I'm not going to command you in this. I'm not going to. And then he says, let a person, verse, verse twenty eight let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died but if we judged ourselves truly we would not be judged when we are judged by the Lord we are disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world this, this is how serious this is you do not want to partake with unreconciled relationship. There must be unity in the body that you are saying you have fellowship with. And then we're, pro- we're proclaiming the gospel. That fourth thing, we're proclaiming, we're preaching the gospel. Then remind yourself of gospel truth as you're taking the bread and the cup. Think about Jesus' death for your sins and confess your sins to him. Thank him for saving you. Make sure you can really enjoy his presence with the gathered church and not lie and then remind yourself of gospel truth you know the error to avoid here is partaking without understanding thinking that it means something that it doesn't there are lots of different understandings about the Lord's table the one that comes to mind first is the Roman Catholic view it's known as transubstantiation what they say is the bread and the cup actually becomes the body and blood of Christ. They say that when the priest says the words, this is my body, when he elevates the bread and the people adore it, literally, and only the priest can do it, that every time the Mass is celebrated, the sacrifice of Christ is repeated in some sense once again. Now this fails on a lot of fronts. Most notably, it fails to see the symbolic nature of Jesus' words, This is my body. Most importantly, it fails to recognize the very clear New Testament teaching of the finality and the completeness of Christ's sacrifice once for all time for sins. Hebrews 9 tells us, He did not need to offer Himself repeatedly. He was offered once to bear the sins of many. Now, there is another view, the Lutheran view, that Martin Luther prescribed. And by the way, Martin Luther had so many things right. We are so thankful for Martin Luther. But this one, here's what he said. Consubstantiation. He says Christ is physically present in, under, and alongside the bread and the cup. So he rejected the Roman Catholic view but insisted that the phrase this is my body be taken as a literal statement and so he concluded that the actual bread didn't become the actual body of jesus but that his actual body and blood were present in with and under the bread now here's the question that i I wish someone would have asked martin luther how can christ's physical body and and most importantly his human nature be present everywhere it cannot Jesus ascended to heaven and remains there until his return so both of the views need to be rejected for a biblical view and the rest of Protestantism believes basically this that the bread and the cup how, where, how is Christ present in the bread and the cup it is a symbolic and a spiritual presence of Christ so, we would reject the ideas that the bread and cup change into the body and blood of Jesus, or that it, it contained his body and blood. Rather, it is a symbolic remembrance meal where Christ is present, blessing his people. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, he is with us in this time, and especially in this time because we are gathered together to do it as a church. There must be accurate understanding of what you're doing Christ's church is to observe the Lord's Supper until he comes now there's all sorts of other questions that people come up with I mean we're in church so people are going to say well do you do threefold or onefold that's a whole other discussion for another day well do you use leavened or unleavened bread some people are like if you don't use unleavened bread you're, you're you know sinning because <laughs> leaven is a, is, stands for sin and other people will say if you don't use leavened bread, you got problems because the Greek word for, for bread, artos, in, in all these places talk about a loaf. Now, what's the answer? Use any kind of bread you want. God is not worried about if it's leavened or unleavened. We have made the meat, the meaning subservient to the method and the mode too many times with the, with the, with the bread and the cup and if, if we want to rediscover the meaning of it we need to focus on the meaning of it the early church Acts 2.42 devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to prayers and to, to fellowship and the breaking of the bread the breaking of the bread to celebrating the Lord's table and let's talk real briefly about anticipating longing for his return if we're going to do that we got to long as you're taking the bread and the cup you should be you should be saying lord i can't wait till you rescue me from this sinful world we must be longing for his return and the error there is if you're taking it in an unworthy manner you're trampling on the body and blood of christ you're 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 saying that his death on the christ was of no effect it's not in accordance with its worth you got to long for his return and say you know what This is not a magical table here. This is not a superstitious table here. It's not a way to get clean so I can get dirty again. A lot of people see it that way. Oh, you know, I'm just going to, it's like taking a shower as as a Christian. I'll take this and then I can go do more stuff. The importance is the meaning, not the method or the mode. I think the four most inflammatory words that Jesus ever spoke times two is this is my body, this is my blood. He was transforming the Passover. These are transforming words from the perfect Passover lamb, the covenant keeper, the only savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Never have four words spawned so much controversy and confusion, but also, praise God, never have four words spawned such sheer, beautiful communion with God amongst his church. It is puzzling that the Lord's Supper has lost its punch in many Christians' lives. It's become a periodic ritual rather than a significant remembrance of Christ's death, rather than the high point of our worship. God wants us to remember Christ's death, celebrate the salvation we have in Him, fellowship with the Lord and one another, proclaim the gospel and anticipate His return. That's what we should be doing and thinking about when we take this table.